Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Eagles fans. A Thursday get-together here on Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guy, John McMullen, Jordan McDonald here. I'm with you for the next two hours. Yes, we'll start our look ahead to the NFC East showdown between the Giants and Eagles, which, by the way, for Spear Thumb, there's a handle for you on our, uh, our feed uh, who said, wake up, Jody. No, it's got nothing to do with me oversleeping. It's got nothing to do with me pulling a computer cord from the back of my setup here. It's got nothing to do with McMullen taking a power hit at his house. No, we're on a little late because Jeff Kerr. Uh, good Let's blame Kerr. Let's blame uh, Kerr. That's exactly what we're doing. Coming we're up with Kerr. a weird a statistic. On his I yeah. don't blame him. He's got Giants Eagles to talk about, so it's that's understandable. Right. But uh, we're, we're a minute late. It wasn't my fault. I'm I'm disavowing any reason for us being uh i'm always late. gonna blame kerr always no always. i i wouldn't do that to kerr except when he earned it which he did today by running over so shame on him um but uh, if we we've if done that we've done that over, we've done that a time or two to poor i was gonna Sarah say Tell, if Sarah so. Tell has got to wait a couple of minutes today on the back end because you and i are going over uh so <clears> uh johnny mac the uh, big game coming up against the giants on Thursday, I started doing a little homework, number crunching. Last night, again, this morning, prepping for this show. We're going to start with a quiz, because I saw this today, and, man, it kind of uh, surprised me. The last two weeks, the Philadelphia Eagles have not only won, they've won handily, won impressively. <clears throat> they've scored five touchdowns in back-to-back games. Would you like to guess when was the last time the Philadelphia Eagles scored five touchdowns 
in back-to-back games? Um, that's got to be a long time. Uh, how about 1933? <laughs> Not quite that long, but a that's long when they started, time. by the way. Uh, yeah. That's why I said that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, how does 1981 sound? 41 years since the last time the Philadelphia Eagles scored five offensive touchdowns in back-to-back games, led by that uh, now still part of the Philadelphia media, Ron Jaworski at quarterback. They put up uh, a quickie quiz for you uh, since we're doing quizzes. In 1981, they scored back-to-back touchdowns, five touchdowns in a game. What two teams did they do so against? Uh, I'm guessing it wasn't uh, Dallas. So how about uh, Green Bay and Tennessee? <laughs> oh, well, t- Tennessee wasn't in the National Football I know, I'm joking. Because uh, they just did it again. How about Green Bay and Houston? Oh, shoot, that? I didn't even pick up on that. You made yeah. the two teams. They just scored the five yeah. touch. Shame yeah. on me. My bad. Uh, yeah, probably not the Cowboys. How about the Giants and the... Uh, they ne'er do well, uh, commanders. <laughs> uh, they, they at the time they would have been the Redskins. Uh, that would not be correct. This will tell you how long ago it's been. They scored five touchdowns against the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, Jim Hart, which no longer exists, are now playing in Arizona, and the Baltimore Colts. Colts, yeah. Who no longer exist. Now, both of those two teams, Eagles already beat this year. Only the Colts, they beat in Indianapolis, and the Cardinals, they beat in Arizona. Back in 1981, they did it against the St. Louis Cardinals and the Baltimore Colts. That's how long it's been since the Eagles scored five touchdowns offensively in back-to-back games. So here's the question, Johnny Mac. Are they going to make it three in a row? No, I think, you know, I'm a big believer in uh, the mean and and you can't keep up. You can't sustain that. Uh, my buddy Bob Groats loves that uh, word when I say it. So just the natural sort of it's it, it, it's hard to sustain that kind of success over that time frame. But, you know, I wrote about this yesterday. Jalen Hurts is becoming synonymous with history. Like every week there's a new historical number you just brought up one uh, we said you know first team since 87 350 rushing one week uh, 350 passing the next he set the franchise record for um, uh, uh, rushing yards by a quarterback against Green Bay he's at 380 the next week passing this this team they've only been given out so I can't go back to 1933 but they've been given out Player of the Week awards, I believe, since 84. Um, he's the first Eagle to get two in a row, and, and that's a pretty long time frame. Um, yeah, it's becoming uh, ridiculous how, how much success uh, this team is, is having, and it starts with the, with the quarterback. Every week there's a new historical nugget. Uh, and you got to go back 35, 40, 50 years uh, to get to. So this kind of stuff doesn't happen every day, um, to say the least. Um, and, it, and it's pretty, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. I will say that. 
And oh, by the way, back in 1981, when they scored those back-to-back five touchdowns uh, against the St. Louis Cardinals and the Baltimore Colts, the team they played the next week was the New York Giants. And they only scored 10 points. Oh, I'm going to take the over on 10 here, J-Mac. They're going to put up more than 10 points. Uh, I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. Maybe the history should be... Uh, the Eagles have 23 rushing touchdowns, which is first in the NFL, and that's too shy of the franchise record uh, for a season. So maybe that's the historical note to keep an eye on uh, this week. They could get uh, yeah. three rushing touchdowns quite easily. I'm going to take the under on the five touchdowns as well. I'm going to say they only get four, but that's maybe, and we'll get more specific with our pick over uh, the next couple of days. I don't know. I I don't know how they're going to score against a team that blitzes as much as the Giants do. I don't know how they're going to score, Jody. It's cool. This is what you all wanted, Eagles haters. This is what you all wanted. This is the team that comes at you off the bus. Well, they're not, so they're not eagle haters. The they're they're Jonathan Gannon haters. They're eagle yeah. fans you're referring to, but Good they're point. current defensive coordinator haters. Good point. Good point. You know, that the, the defense coordinator who has the the second ranked defense in the That's NFL, yeah. the the <laughs> the top ranked passing defense in the NFL that is number two in sacks in the NFL, that is number one. And takeovers in the NFL, is that the defensive coordinator you're talking about? Yeah, see, that's that's the thing that bothers me with the people who are uh, still uh, calling Jonathan Gannon into question. I always thought it was about the sacks. It is for me. You, you and I go back and forth. You give much more credit to pressures, and you always bring up the pressure by Long and the Chris Long, baby. game against Change Minnesota. Game. And, yes, that makes your point quite well – that uh, pressures can be very important and uh, lend themselves to great results. It's five years ago, and it, it happens from time to time. It doesn't happen often. Sacks are sacks. Sacks are good. There's no way sacks are bad. Sometimes pressures end up in 80-yard touchdowns. Uh, yeah, the quarterback is running the ball, no uh, missed tackle on the back end. Uh-oh, look what happened. The guy took it to the house. Um, so it cuts, it cuts both ways. But the sack is the sack. And they're getting the sacks, Johnny Mac. If they get there with two, I don't care if they drop nine in coverage. If you rush two guys and one of the two guys gets home and gets the sack, who the hell cares how many guys actually blitz to get there? Just get the sacks. And that's exactly what this team is doing. They're second in the NFL in sacks. Yeah, it, it you know, and, and Gannon says it, you know, and he's right. It's a marriage, rush and cover, cover and rush. He says it all the time. Like last week, they had a big sack game. A lot of those sacks were covered sacks. I was talking to Bradbury yesterday. He smiled. He said, yeah, we had some covered sacks uh, in that game. So it works both ways. Sometimes the, the rush is getting there. Like in, in, in the Carson Wentz game, that was the rush more than the coverage. I think at Tennessee, it was the coverage more than a rush. So it does work in concert. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the guy who you know, got me on board with the pressures was not Gannon. It was, it was Schwartz. And and Jim always said, look, he said sacks are never bad, but they're just overrated, uh, you know, because it's about it, it, it's about affecting the quarterback. And there's certain quarterbacks who aren't going to let you sack them. I mean, they just aren't. They're going to get the football out as quickly as possible. 
then when you get to the Carson Wentz's of the world, the Ryan Tannehill's who are going to hold on to the football, that's when the sacks come in bunches. But Tom Brady, I mean, you're not going to have a big sack game. Peyton Manning, you're not going to have a big sack game. So you better figure out some other way to affect the quarterback. And that's 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 who got me on board with that sentiment. Not Not Jonathan Gannon. I mean, he believes it. He's the same way. He said the exact same thing. Sacks are always good, but he doesn't care about them. He cares about, I, I tell you all the time, two statistics, and this is the Eagles as a whole. This is Nick Sirianni, and it comes from Nick. Takeaways, they're number one in the NFL, limiting explosive plays. Other than the scoreboard, which is obviously the only statistic that matters, other than the scoreboard, those are the only two statistics the Eagles care about. And if they win those two categories, they're going to win the game. And it's proven to be true. Understood. Uh, uh, that's why you never look at any individual game and go, how many sacks do they get in that game? You're right. A quarterback can keep you from getting sacks. But you can take a pretty good look over a season, specifically a season that has now re- reached double-digit games played. You can start to draw conclusions about the ability to sack, not pressure, sack the quarterback. You do. I disagree with Schwartz. You need sacks at some point. On a given week, you don't get any. That's, hey, the quarterback decides to throw it away rather than take a sack. Well, that's on him. But over the course of a season, that means you're going to face quarterbacks who get rid of the ball quickly and quarterbacks who hold on to the football. So I think it is something you can look at over the course of the season. All right, looking at the Giants over the course of the season, great start stumbling of late they've lost <laughs> two of their last three including a tie so they haven't had a win in almost a month against this eagle team they're a six and a half point underdog seven in some places at home before these two teams meet again the last week of the season johnny mack what if i told you i thought this week's game for the new york giants was a look ahead game because next week they played the washington commanders Again, right back at them again next week. That is something that if you're a Giant fan, you don't want to admit to. You're a Giant player, you don't want to admit to. But if you're a Giant and you're looking in the mirror and you're figuring out we got to get wins between now and the end of the season, you getting this one this week against the Eagles or you getting next one next week against the Commanders? Any chances of a look-ahead game for the Giants? I I don't think so for a couple reasons. One, you, I generally don't think look ahead games when in, in division games in general. I mean, it's always uh, uh, a you know a bigger deal to teams and organizations, not just the Eagles and Giants. Everybody, everybody wants to win their division games. So that's number one. Number two, they haven't won in a while. Um, you know, they they. Beat Houston uh, a couple weeks ago. Then they lost to Detroit, lost to the, the 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 Cowboys. Then they tied with the Commanders. So it's it's been a month, and it will be a month if they don't win this game. So they need to win some games. And unfortunately for them, their schedule on paper isn't great. Now, you know, they have the Eagles, they have Washington, as you mentioned. Then they're at Minnesota on Christmas Eve, which is a difficult uh, matchup. Indianapolis, maybe a little bit of a respite. And then at the Eagles, and maybe that's easy because maybe the Eagles aren't playing. Maybe 
maybe they're playing the JV, but if they are playing, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, so they they got to find ways to win games, and they got to stop this little skid. Unfortunately, I mean, the Eagles are just far more talented than the Giants. And the well, Eagles. not unfortunately for Eagles fans, but for the Giants, that's the unfortunate part. I don't Eagles. think they're looking ahead, though. Fair enough. Um, they won't, and it may be something that transpires <laughs> during the game that they won't talk about before or even think about before, but at some point during the game, uh, Giants' minds may go there. Uh, the Eagles in these past two games, past two wins, have been great offensively two games in a row against Green Bay. Um, one chunk play, as you describe it, a uh, big play that they gave up, uh, kept the game close, but the Eagles were in control throughout. So for me, they've been dominant on both sides of the ball. Which do you think will be the more dominant side? When the game's over and done with, we'll say the Eagles won the game more so because of their offense or their defense. That's always a tough, that's a, that's always tough. What, are, mm-hmm. what, I got to look. Their offense is ranked third in the NFL. Their defense is ranked second. So, you know, it's picked your poison usually against the Eagles. That's the reason they're 11 and one. Uh, With this particular game, I would lean more towards defense only because I think uh, the Giants uh, offense is up against it more than the Giants defense. Now, I think it's interesting. I just said the Eagles are three and two. Three offensively, two defensively. The Giants are 22nd uh, offense, offense, 23rd defense. So they're the same. They're almost the exact same. Uh, I do think, and perhaps this is, you know, the Eagles fans seeping into my brain a little bit too much. I do think the aggressive nature of Wink Martindale is more equipped to throw some, uh, you know, throw some mucking into the works on the offense from the Eagles perspective than Daniel Jones with no weapons uh, giving that defense problems. So that's kind of how I, I, I look at it on paper. I just, they have no weapons. They have no weapons. So unless Saquon Barkley uh, runs for 180, we're back into that conversation. You know, everybody was worried about Derrick Henry. Well, it looks like the Eagles have figured it out as far as 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 run support, and now with Lynn Ball Joseph and Jordan Davis, um, that's going to get that should get better and better as the season wears on. Um, I just don't see the weapons. It's the only theoretical way the Giants can either stay in or win this game is if Saquon Barkley goes off for a big game. Oh, that's why I'm hoping Johnny Mac. They go out to the middle of the field begin before the game starts, flip that coin, let the Giants win it and take the ball. That would be a mistake. Let the Eagles go right down the field with yeah, a Tennessee touchdown. made that mistake. Tennessee exactly. Made that mistake. That's why I'm saying it, because you know Sirianni's gonna say, Oh, we'll defer. You don't want to defer. You want the football. The Eagles have scored touchdowns on seven of their opening drives this year. In uh, 12 games, the most in the National Football League. Oh, let's do so before the Giants ever get their hands on the ball. Get the ball, go right down the field and score, and then make it that much tougher for uh, the Giants play calling to go. Let's just pound Saquon Barkley. The scoreboard says you're already behind. 
and maybe you need to be a little bit more aggressive on offense the way you are on defense. And if the Giants gets over, get overly aggressive on offense, it could be a long day for them. All right, uh, it's a long show here on Bird Street 65. Two full hours. We've already logged in 20 minutes. Uh, we've got buck 40 left to go, and we're going to spend a chunk of that with our first guests. He should be uh, logging in any minute now. From Sports Illustrated, Johnny Max running mate, our buddy Special Ed Crafts is going to jump in here on Birds 365. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Jim Gardner is an icon. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor, a pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted, revered, appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate, honest, and fair. He is extremely dedicated, motivated, and always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader, and we're lucky to have him. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh. And go birds. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Thursday get-together here on Birds 365 with Mac and Mac. John McMullen, Jody McDonald. We are joined by one Ed Kratz, Eagle Maven from Sports Illustrated. Uh, my question is to you, Mr. Kratz, and if not, John McMullen can answer. Um, have you, as the representatives of Sports Illustrated, 
cut a side deal with maybe, I don't know, John Clark uh, to monitor the uh, Eagles home base to see if Odell Beckham shows up for a workout. Because somebody's got to catch him walking into the building, and Clark is the best at finding a airport trips and the like. You guys are both on the show right here. Who from Sports Illustrated is making sure Odell Beckham doesn't show up for a workout this morning? <laughs> uh, well, Nick Sirianni would be my answer. Uh, yeah. yeah, he doesn't. Oh, seem Nick, to Nick's going to tell anything. one of you two guys after. No, he, has, he just does. Yes, we had Odell in. No, he has no interest. Uh, from it, it, it you know. From the outside looking in, Ed, uh, you uh, you get a different take from the head coach of this team? No. I mean, you know, he talked yesterday about how much this is probably the best wide receiver room he's been around. Um, and Quez Watkins seemed to be okay. Now, listen, if Quez was bothered by, I think it was a chest that he hurt. Shoulder. Chest, shoulder, yeah. yeah, upper body. Upper body. Hockey, upper yeah. body. Yeah, let's go uh, hockey. <laughs> but if he, you know, if he, he seemed okay in the locker room yesterday, moving okay, putting his shirt on fine. If he was a little bit more, you know, severe of an injury, then maybe they look at Odell. Um, but if you're going to go stake out the airport, a la John Clark, you know, you better bring a good book because you know, <laughs> you're going to be there a while. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when I saw uh, it was Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk who kind of put that out there. The first thing I thought was, hey, Howie's trying to tweak the Giants and the or Dallas to pay Odell a little bit more money, uh, you know, maybe tweak him in that fashion. Um, you know, one of the things that Nick said that I, I think people don't realize, and especially with this team, it's very important because until the Tennessee game, they had been very poor on special teams. If you're going to be a back-end receiver on the roster – you have to play special teams. He brought that up again. And Odell Beckham isn't coming in here to play special teams. Buzz Watkins can't play special teams. So you need the Zach Pascals and, and, and Britton Cubbies of the world. And I think people just want to collect good players and say, oh, that's a record. But he was a pro bowler five years ago, whatever it was. Um, I don't think they realize the science – and not everybody, but a lot of people don't realize the science to building an NFL roster. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's not going to play special teams. He's not going to be a savior no matter where he goes. I mean, he. I think I heard yesterday that it's going to take him a good five weeks to be ready to play in football shape and this and that. So you're not looking at any help from Odell, if at all, uh, until the playoffs. Um, and, and maybe he helps you a little bit. I. I think I know he wants another ring, but you wonder if whoever signs him is going to have to sign him to more than one year because his impact is going to be very limited this season. Uh, you're going to have to probably carry him into next year as well. And, and I don't think the Eagles have that kind of salary cap to, to uh, you know, throw away on a receiver that, you know, you, you've got guys already signed in that room for a few more years yet, other than Zach Paschal, who signed a one-year deal. Um, but I just don't see them doing it. They don't have a lot of money under the cap to do it. Um, it would be cool to get Odell, right, to keep him away from the New York Giants and the, and the Dallas Cowboys potentially if you're the Eagles. You know, maybe you'd do it for that reason. But as far as on-the-field contributions, I don't think he would help much at all. All right, so three of us agree. Chances are Odell Beckham Jr. not coming here despite uh, Rumor Central. Um, but a guy who looks like he could be back this week is Avante Maddox. Eagles opened up the practice window for him. He's eligible to come back. 
He could return this week. It would be a nice re-addition to the team. Josiah Scott has played well enough. He hasn't wowed me, but he hasn't been bad. Where Oh, my God, when are we going to get Avante Maddox back? He's held it down. Does he factor in when Maddox is back? And if he's playing all the snaps that he usually plays, does Scott factor in to the safety position now? Because they've questioned him. He's played both safety and nickel corner and even some outside corner. Um, or does Josiah Scott go back to being just a special teams player? Yeah, we'll, we'll see how much Maddox can play uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, I guess he has to test it on Thursday and Friday. Yesterday on Wednesday was a walkthrough. And, you know, we talked to him in the locker room yesterday, and he said it's all about reacting and making cuts when you don't know you have to make cuts. It's an uncontrolled environment when you're out there in practice going through the live drills as opposed to individual drills where you know, you know exactly where you have to be. Uh, so he wants to test it, and we'll see how that hamstring is. You know, hamstrings are a pretty tricky thing to know whether or not you're ready to return from. So uh, I'm not 100% convinced he's going to be playing on Sunday. I think really? if he does, I, I just – I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he's got to get through today and Friday. He might very well do that, and he might play Sunday. But I think if he does, it's going to maybe be in a limited uh, – you know, a few limited snaps. They really took it easy with Jordan Davis when he returned. He only played six snaps, and he was limping around a little bit out there. So, you know, you don't want that with Avante Maddox. But you may t- take it a little bit easier with him, and Josiah Scott may still see some reps. Maybe they – I got an Ed Kratz breeze up. Do you yeah. have an Ed Kratz breeze up? I never know if it's me. That's the problem with streaming. Exactly. You don't know, know. Uh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. My back. All right, there you go, Ed. We got to there get. Go. Go. So yeah, you're not. Frozen? You know, you're unfrozen. Yes. So you're not. Good, sure yeah. I'm turning the heat up a little bit. Chilly. It's kind of nice. It's not bad. But, <laughs> you know, Jody mentioned safety, Ed. So I'll go there. Yeah. You know, you're right. Hamstrings are tricky, especially for pass guys. And Avante's a pass guy. So that's, you know, you got to be careful. But as far as. Josiah moving the safety if Avante's, you know, 100% even. Boy, I don't know if he can take Reed Blankenship off the field. I can't believe I'm saying this sentence, but he has been amazing. Now, part of that is Tennessee doesn't pass the ball well, and they lost Traylon Burks in the game. They did get him deep, and he was injured on that play. Um, And then they completely shut down the passing game. So they don't have a lot of weapons. Green Bay, you think, well, Aaron Rodgers, but he doesn't trust his receivers. They don't have a lot of weapons. The one mistake he did make was taking the wrong angle on Christian Watson. And now we get to this Giants game, and they don't have a lot of weapons. So is it Reed playing that well, or is it just they got a little bit lucky with the schedule as far as they they haven't had teams who could take advantage of having a, a Reed Blankenship on the field. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a little of both. I mean, I think he can play. He's, he's very good at diagnosing uh, things that are happening in front of him and then getting there, uh, as you'd expect. I mean, he was a starter for five years at Middle Tennessee State. He's seen a lot of offense thrown at him, so – uh, I like that part of it, but yeah, he hasn't really been challenged. He wasn't challenged against the Titans, but yet he played a hundred percent of the snaps. He was the only yeah. 
Eagles defensive player to play every single snap. I think there were 55 of them on defense. Uh, if, if nothing else, I mean, at least that helps get him kind of into the flow of things, gets him feeling really confident about himself, and, and that can take you a pretty good way. Um, Josiah Scott on the back end, maybe in a pinch, you know, if you're start if guys are starting to drop, I mean, they they kind of uh, they let they cut Andre Shashere, uh, right? So they're a little bit thinner at the safety spot. So yeah, if you if you're in a pinch, Josiah Scott may have to go back there for a few snaps. But I don't know how successful that cross training was between slot and cor- uh, safety. Uh, and I'm not sure the Eagles really want to find out. So they're going to stick with Blankenship until Gardner Johnson's ready to go. All right, Eddie, I uh, need your answer on this one. On the fear factor scale from zero to 10, uh, zero being, I laugh at your question, McDonald. Ten being, yes, <laughs> he's I laughing I, already. I'm going to go. I think I he's actually laughing already. Wet, uh, 10 fear being, I think I actually wet myself. Um, Daniel Jones running the football this week against the Eagles defense. Where does your fear factor of that fall between zero and 10? 10 is wet myself. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm not going to wet myself. Uh, I'm not there yet. I'm, okay. I'm not that old. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll probably say middle of that scale somewhere, maybe a five. Uh, you know, Jones has run on this team before. I mean, remember that big, long 81-yard run or whatever it was, and he tripped or he would have scored yeah. a touchdown. Yeah. Just tripped yeah. on his oh, own yeah. on the turf. Um, but, yeah, that that's one thing weapon that Jones brings is that ability to run. And I, the Eagles haven't seen a quarterback like that, I think, since Kyler Murray when they went out to Arizona, a quarterback who can keep plays alive, who can scramble. Now, Ryan Tannehill did some of that, right? I mean, he picked up pretty good chunks on three runs. He had more yards rushing than Derrick Henry had, which was weird. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, if they're not, if they're not disciplined in their, in their pass rush lanes and this and that, all the, all the coach speak you want to throw – then, yeah, Jones can hurt them with his legs. There's no question. And especially on a team that really is devoid of wide receiver weapons, like John mentioned earlier, you know, you have Saquon who has kind of tailed off a little bit in the run game, uh, but still very, very dangerous. And that's what they're going to try to do. But, yeah, Jones can keep plays alive with his feet. I, I'm not going to wet myself, but I'm not going to laugh at you either, Jody. I'll go. Okay. Five. Yeah, going to go uh, five. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's he's not – you know, we always talk about Lamar, uh, Jackson, Justin Fields now, Jalen Hurts, even Josh Allen. He's not those guys, but he's that next tier when it comes to running the football. And I, I do think that uh, he's far more athletic than what people realize. As you mentioned, that big run he had at Lincoln Financial Field. Everybody makes fun of him, but you had to get to, you know, run at that bar. Before yeah. you trip over yourself. So that tells you how athletic he is. But I got to tell you, Ed, when we're talking about the quarterback, unless it's um, Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts, yeah, I'm not going to wet myself to worry about Daniel Jones running the football. Um, that kind of tells you what the Giants are up against it. I, I think Brian Dayball has done a tremendous job with that team, but they just don't have the talent to, to match up with the Eagles. Uh, is that how you look at this game? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I kind of thought that coming into the season. I mean, they're cutting guys to get under the salary cap. That's how James Bradbury ended up here in Philadelphia. So you thought, you know, this looks like a year where the Giants are just, they understand what they are, and they're going to go out and probably win five games. And then they get off to this, yeah. you know, really surprising 6-1 and one start. Uh, but now things have kind of balanced out a little bit, and I think they've lost or tied four of their last five games. But, you know, they always play the Eagles tough. There's – you know, no matter who the coach is, Joe Judge or whoever, you know, the Eagles went up there and lost 13 to seven last year. And they're yeah, going to worst after. game of Jalen Hurts' starting career, I would say, it was that well, game in, yeah. at MetLife Stadium. He scored seven points. They threw yeah. three interceptions, including one right before halftime, a very bad decision um, when it looks like they're going to go in and tie the game up at halftime. But, um, and, and the Giants are going to hit him. You know, their defense is very physical, they have a very good front. Yeah, uh, and they're going to and they're going to blitz. They're going to blitz. They're going to blitz. And uh, but listen, they can be run on too. I mean, this could be a game where the Eagles try to run the ball like they did against Tennessee, or I'm sorry, against Green Bay, uh, and some of these other teams they played because the Giants' run defense isn't as good as you think. Their linebacker play isn't as good. They had, I think, they cut Blake Martinez, or maybe he got hurt. Another. Uh, yeah, he got hurt, and then ultimately he was a good player, but yeah, something's going on because he's been yeah. cut. Uh, but, but the Giants, they, they got off to a really good start, which was surprising to everyone because it looked like they were just going to be a five-win team somewhere in that range and gear up for next year and make a good run. But, you know, Daniel Jones has played better. And you have to give Dayball and Mike Kafka and uh, Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator, a lot of credit for, you know, the, the wins that they've been able to get out of this team so far. Oh, by the way, that Jalen Hurts worst game of his career against the Giants last year. If Jalen Rager catches a catchable ball in the end zone, they could have won that game and we wouldn't be talking about it as the worst game of Jalen's career. But um, speaking of Jalen Rager, he's part of what has turned into the revenge tour season for the Eagles. Week two, the Eagles beat him and the Vikings. Uh, they beat up on poor Carson Wentz, eight sacks. Nick Sirianni got a little indie re uh, revenge uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we all saw what A.J. Brown did to the Titans this week. You mentioned James Bradbury, who was a giant last year, wasn't traded, wasn't a free They cut him to make him available so he could come down here and sign with Philadelphia and play on a Pro Bowl-type level. You can't do as much at the cornerback position, can you, to get your revenge? If they don't throw at you, they don't throw at you. You don't think the Giants would specifically throw at Slay to stay away from Bradbury, do you? How do you think Bradbury plays against his former mates this weekend? Well, I, I, I'm of the belief that you shouldn't fear anybody if you're an offense. I mean, I would attack anybody out there. I don't care who it is. I would I would throw their way if you have to. I'd run their way. If That's the Nick Sirianni mentality. He doesn't give a blind union. You're yeah. hanging around Sirianni too no. long, huh, Gretz? <laughs> no. Well, I'm of that mentality too. You know, I don't – and it's the born of wrestling, you know. I like when guys wrestle one-on-one -on -one that are good guys and you don't try to duck them and move them up a weight or down a weight to get away from a guy, you know it. Go strength on strength. See if you're better. And, you know, it, we'll see. I think the Giants will throw toward Bradbury. Um, I mean, why not? I mean, you know, you're going to throw to Slay or you're going to go to throw to Bradbury. I think they'll mix it up. And I think they'll try to use the tight end over the middle, uh, you know, a little bit. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Bradbury plays. He kind of downplayed it yesterday in the locker room about this return. He was a little more pragmatic that he's at peace with, you know, them releasing him and, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm 11 and one. I think I made the right decision here. 
so I'm not sure, you know, at least publicly, he's not saying, hey, I'm really amped up for this game like A.J. Brown was to play the Titans. Um, and, and we'll see what the Giants decide to do, whether they throw in his direction. I, their receivers, like we talked about, aren't that threatening, to be honest. So no. I, I don't know who you're going to be throwing it to over there. Um, but we'll see. I, I think I think Bradbury could have an interception in this game. I'll make it a prediction right now, Bradbury. There you gets, go. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll go out on the limb. Yeah. Uh, he's going to beat Daniel Jones at some point. I'm, 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 I'm so impressed. I'm like our buddy Bob Groats with James Bradbury. I, I, I knew he was a good player, but he's so savvy. He's so, and and Jonathan Gannon mentioned this early in the week, talking about his football IQ. It's just off the charts. He, he, he almost intercepted that wide receiver screen against Tennant. I mean, he over jumped it. He knew it was coming so quick. He overran it. Uh, he knew the football was was coming. And, you know, I wrote about this on Sports Illustrated. The success he and Slay have had compared to the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Davis Mills has the worst passer rating of the guys who play, which is about 79. And Bradbury gives up a 44 passer rating and Slay's at like 50. The, that's not the mean that's better than the worst quarterback in the NFL and the completion percentage. Mariota's the worst at 61%. Those guys are Bradbury's under 50% Slay's just over 50%. Those corners. I, when we talk about the Eagles being the second ranked defense in the NFL, first in turnovers, um, uh, uh, first in pass defense. To me, the corners are the best part of that team. Is is that how you you've seen things? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the pass rush. They're also able to get home and affect the quarterback, even if they don't get the sacks. But it's a defense that has forty two sacks. I think the team record is like forty nine, maybe. Um, they're going to go fifty plus, I would guess, with five more games to go. I know you have the extra game here, but. You know, that pass rush gets a lot of credit, too, for what the corners are doing, just like the corners get a lot of credit for what the pass rush is doing. I think it goes hand in hand. But Yeah, rush and cover, cover and rush, KG. Cover, rush, rush. rush. Cover. Yeah. yeah, the old Jonathan Gannon uh, nugget. But, uh, yeah, but I think if Zach McPherson was in Bradbury's place, yeah, I'm not I don't sure. think it would go as well. I don't, I don't think, think it would go, go as well either. Uh, yeah, Bradbury's – you know, he's really good. And, you know, he kind of gambled on himself signing a one-year deal. I don't know whether what other options he had if he had a multi-year deal elsewhere. I don't think he would or he might have taken it. But he's signed the one-year deal, and he really reset the market here for himself. He has played himself into a pretty big contract, I think, coming up. Uh, his next deal will be a big one. Even though he's going to be 30 years old next year, he showed he can still play. He's very, like you said, very savvy. He's very smart. He's good at diagnosing things. Um, and he's good at, at breaking up passes without being called for pass interference. So yeah, uh, I think he's played himself into a big deal, probably a bigger deal than what the Eagles will want to pay him. Yeah. He didn't sound like he was going to be giving out any team friendly discounts from no, he did say winning's about. a big factor yeah, in the equation. And if you want to win, I think the Eagles are set up to not only win this year, but you know, for a few years to come. If Hertz continues on that trajectory and the Roseman makes some of the right decisions in the offseason with a boatload of free agents that he has to 
uh, figure out who he wants back. But winning's going to be part of his equation. It's not everything, but that will play a factor. And like he said, I'm 11 and one, so he'll factor that in. And oh, by the way, Eagles on pace to set their all-time most ever sacks in the season, and they did so without Derek Barnett. Who'd have known? Um, <laughs> yeah. And Robert Quinn, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, well, how about Brandon time. Graham? Brandon Graham looks like he can still play, huh? I mean, he's that, he's playing that a other guy. They're gonna have to deal with this off season. So let me go there. Yeah. Again, anytime you question anything about the eleven-one Eagles, you're gonna get trashed. I'll I'll, I'll be picked on here on the stream. Howie Roseman, executive of the year in the National Football League. I'm acknowledging that. Hmm. Did he miss out this year by not giving a couple of extra years to guys? I'm thinking of James Bradbury and Kaiser White. I wasn't in the room when he was negotiating with their agents. I don't know how the negotiating went. <clears throat> you know, there's always the possibility to do when you sign a free agent. There's no rule that says you can only give them a one-year deal. Flexibility is always nice, but it can be costly. If the guy has an unbelievable year and then goes elsewhere, and now you got to replace him again this upcoming year. How he miss out on a couple of the free agents he signed not going multi-year with them? Yeah, you know, he, he might have, but he was looking at, you know, the, the amount of money he had to spend and he thought he was being judicious with it because you never know who's going to spring free during the course of the season. Like in the Dhammakamsu, <laughs> maybe he had an eye on him from the jump and said, we got to save some money for, for possibly him, for possibly Linval Joseph, maybe Odell Beckham, but I doubt it. Um, <laughs> but I, I think what I would have done if I was Howie and maybe he tried this, but after I trade for Gardner Johnson, now we didn't know he was going to be, you know, this playmaking six interception safety. But I think after you trade for a guy, after you give up draft collateral for somebody like that, and it wasn't a lot, a fifth and a sixth, I think you try to sign him right then and there, you know, before you know what he can become, I think you try to get a deal done with him, maybe a three-year deal to get him in here, especially because, you know, at safety, you got a lot of guys that are on one-year deals here. Marcus Epps's contract is up. So yeah, maybe he could have tried to go a little longer with a Bradbury uh, or even a Kaiser white, because he didn't know at the time that the Kobe Dean would be sitting there for them to draft. Right. Um, but I, me personally, I would have given Chauncey Gardner Johnson a contract the day I traded for him, kind of like he did with AJ Brown. Now he needed to do that with AJ Brown or the deal wouldn't have gotten done, but I think I would have tried a little bit harder and maybe he did, but I would have tried to get Gardner Johnson signed. Cause now, right now, it, you know, he's played himself, I think into like a $15 million a year, year uh, player, Gardner Johnson, even though he's hurt. Uh, maybe that dents his. Yeah, he's think, not coming back. Think? Who do you think gets more in the open market? Uh, AAV, not years or guaranteed dollars, but average right. annual value. Um, who do you think gets more, Gardner Johnson or uh, Bradbury? Well, I, position wise, I think cornerbacks are probably viewed as you know a higher value, I guess. Although you're seeing safeties getting paid pretty good money, uh, I would probably say, and Gardner Johnson's younger. So yeah, that that's a big part of it. I mean, he's only what 24 or 25 Gardner yeah. Johnson. Bradbury will be 30. I mean, I would probably say Gardner Johnson then just based on the age factor. Uh, you know, I would probably go with Gardner Johnson, but both guys are going to cost maybe a little bit more than how he wants to spend. What <laughs> I'm really surprised at is he hasn't extended anybody. Uh, here, right. You know, we, we bring he's, got no leverage, yeah. he's got no leverage. Got man. Who's you he can't gonna get negotiate done? when Answer, you're 11 no and one. one. 
Marcus Epps. What about yeah. Marcus Epps? Well, Marcus and TJ are the two obvious ones. Yeah. Um, or even Isaac Ciamalo. I mean, why wouldn't you want to try to get a deal done with, the, you know, well, your they, they probably do, but, I mean, it's tough. You know, these yeah. guys have the most leverage they're ever going to have because everybody's agent goes in there and says, oh, you're 11-1. and one. Look how good Marcus Epps is. and Look yeah. how good Chauncey is. He leads the NFL in interceptions. It is bad leverage right now. Now you don't you never want to lose, so it's a good problem to have, but it's more difficult than last year when he was getting all those extensions done early. Well, you brought up Nicobe Dean. I want to talk about Nicobe because you and I talked to him yesterday, and this amazed me, Ed. Uh, he talked about how you know he hasn't gotten a lot of reps and how slow he was to the football. <laughs> and I'm like, the guy's out there for 15 snaps, he's got six tackles. And he's telling us how slow he was to the ball. He looked like the most instinctive guy in the world to me. And he's like, uh, I was late to everything. Yeah. I'm like, if this is what Nicobe, with all due respect to Kaiser White, if that little sliver is bad, Nicobe Dean, well, thanks for the memories, Kaiser, but we, <laughs> we don't need Kaiser White. And I love Kaiser, yeah. good player. It's been in well, but man, it's tough not to get excited after you get that one quick look at Nicobe Dean and he's talking about like I wasn't myself. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. You're right. I mean, he said he was slow. Yeah, you know, he was slow to kind of diagnose. Now, I know Jody is high on Nicobe Dean. I remember him lambasting us for our top 25 uh, best. Correct. Yeah. For not you, and, and it was proven you guys were right. If I need to apologize for that, it was no. just us talking about this year. Right. I still stand by he's one of their best 25 players. Now, you can only judge by what he does on the field. Right. I have my own talent evaluation meter. But you guys are right about that to not put him in the top 25. But I'm not accepting defeat. And then I'm telling you, he's one of the 25 most talented players on this football team. Yeah, well, I, you know, listen, you you were right about that. I mean, I had some concerns, and then you see him out there in those, what, 15 snaps, and it's like, this guy can play. I mean, that one clip that was on Twitter of him tackling Derrick Henry with one arm while being held to the ground by one of the Titans defenders, I mean, that's a world-class play. And then he makes the play in the open field on the little throw in the flat to, I think it was a tight end. He, you know, he, he, he runs right towards him and knocks him down. Um, it was exciting to see Nicobe Dean go out there and do what he did, even though he didn't think he played all that well. Uh, he looked pretty darn good to me. And yeah. you're right. Like Kaiser is probably one of those guys that probably won't be back. If you're looking at, if you're prioritizing who you want to bring back, he's probably down on that list uh, because Nicobe looks like, He's ready to step in. And listen, frankly, I'm ready to see more of Nicobe. Right. So here's my question for both of you two guys. Will the defensive coordinator give him some run this week? No. They don't use no. back. Well, Kaiser's not healthy. Yeah. I, we got to see if Kaiser's not healthy, he's going to play. But if Kaiser's healthy and playing, no. I mean, yeah. he's got to wait his turn. And he no. was limited. Kaiser was limited at doing yeah. that walkthrough yeah. on Wednesday. We'll see how that, and it's a shoulder, I believe. So we'll see how, how that progresses. You need your shoulders to play linebacker, right? So yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe they don't play Kaiser, you know, his true amount of snaps because they're kind of bringing him along slowly. They want to monitor this injury and maybe Nicobe does get some snaps. I would love to see it. Cause you know, he, he looked pretty darn good to me. Yeah. 
He did, he did. But it all depends on Kaiser. Kaiser, yeah, I'm double checking. Quez was the shoulder. Uh, Kaiser's dealing with an ankle, but he okay. was limited. Um, and to me, it all comes down to health. If, if Kaiser can play, he's out there. Um, and if not, you know, it's a nice depth to have, to have Nicobe, a slow <laughs> to Nicobe Dean, uh, not uh, registering. I looked at him, I double taped. I, I, I said, wait, you thought you were, you're slow because the rest of us, you look pretty instinctive. <laughs> um, and he was like, no, he doubled down. He was like, no, I was, I was slow to the football. Yeah, it was, it, 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 it's pretty amazing. Um, but that's good depth to have, to say the least. Yeah, without question. And, you know, he was pretty happy to be out there playing, of course. Why wouldn't you want to be? Uh, you know, he's only gotten special teams time. He said he was tired, too, after playing those 15 snaps because he was playing 23 snaps on special teams. So that was another thing he said. You know, I, I was a little tired. I need to, you know, work on his conditioning a little bit, too. So, um, and he will. He'll get there. And Jody will be right. He'll be back on our list in the top 25 Eagles. Uh, Next year. We- yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and predict for you guys again in advance next year. He will make the top 25. All right. Uh, the other th- I asked you about Daniel Jones running the football because it's a minor concern coming into the game. He actually averages more per rush than Jalen Hurts does because Jalen gets hurt by those one-yard gains on third down. When they need one yard, he pushes ahead. That brings his average rush for uh, average per carry down. Um the only other thing that really scares me is the Giants actually do throw the football to the back out of the backfield. And that would be Saquon Barkley. He leads the team in receptions with 40. The Eagles don't do it near as much. Um, so you've got to keep an eye on him coming out of the backfield. Who's going to have to have the game to stop him? Linebacker, safety, whatever, usually falls to one of those guys making plays on guys out of the backfield. And, and Barkley is one of those guys make somebody miss and he could be off to the races for a chunk play. Who do you think is the guy who's got most Barkley out of the backfield duties for the Eagles defense this week? Well, I think it'll be a bunch of guys. I don't think they'll send one guy on him or keep one guy on him. I think it'll depend where he's coming out of the backfield and who's playing on that side of the field. I mean, we've seen cornerbacks come up and make plays on running backs. We've seen Bradbury come up and make plays. We've seen Epps. I think Marcus Epps is good if you play him down low, but Probably more often than not, it'll be a linebacker like a TJ Edwards uh, or a Kaiser White. Um, that that would be my guess is one of those linebackers will probably have the duty on him. But I wouldn't say that that's going to be primarily their job. I think that will fall to others as well. And it could be a, a Bradbury who, you know, Bradbury and Slave tackled very well, I thought, in the run game against Derrick Henry. Um, you know, they came in and filled, filled those gaps and did a nice job tackling him. So they can certainly do it. Um, but I don't think they would do it 100% of the time. I think it'll be a kind of a mix-and-match situation with Barkley. And it's interesting we're not talking about Barkley as a running back here uh, after what the Eagles were able to do to Henry. We're talking about Barkley out of the backfield. But, you know, Barkley's – you know, he can put 140 up on you if you're not tackling well or committed to the run game like the Eagles were uh, against the Titans. So uh, this was a big concern a couple weeks back playing Saquon Barkley and trying to stop him from running. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem yeah. to be as big of a concern. It's funny how that ships. Uh, yeah. Last one for me, Ed, read Ed at si.com backslash Eagles backslash NFL. Um, 
give a little shout out to Johnny Stat over at the Eagles. John Ganode, uh talk about the quarterback uh, who seems to do something historic every week now. Um, 16 of his last 18 regular season starts. Uh, Jalen Hurts has won. So that's a full NFL season at 16 and 2. He's won 14 of 15. Um, highest winning percentage, obviously, amongst NFL quarterbacks over that span. This is the MVP of the league, right, Ed Kratz? There's still time, but the snapshot right now, it's got to be the MVP of the league. Yeah, I, I wrote about it. He's my leader in the clubhouse. If you would asked me last week or two weeks ago, I would have said Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes, he gets the numbers, right? He gets the He's the traditional numbers-collecting quarterback with the yards. He's almost 4,000 yards passing. He's got 30 touchdown passes, two more rushing. But Hurts has 29 total touchdowns also. He's not that far behind uh, Mahomes, who has 32. Jalen's got 29. He had 26 last year. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see – Hurts is just a different, different cat, man, at the quarterback position. There's no doubt what, with what he's able to do. Uh, but, yeah, right now with five games to play, I, he's, he's my leader in the clubhouse. I don't know if he'll get it. Um, I still think there's kind of a groundswell for Mahomes, and I'm I'm not sure a lot of people across the league are sold on Hertz uh, who vote. Um, it was nice to see him leading the fan vote uh, in the Pro Bowl. I know that doesn't mean a whole lot, but you know when the first batch of Pro Bowl ballots came out, it was Geno Smith who Geno was Geno Smith. How about that? By the well, Geno's having a good year. Oh, I he's mean, having a great year. Yeah, seventy-two point seven percent. Yeah. Completion percentage, Geno Smith. That's Drew Brees' territory. Yeah, but now the second batch of Pro Bowl ballots came out, and Jalen Hurts is at the top. I, I guess that game against Green Bay may have influenced some fan vote. That was in prime time, and they saw what Hurts can do and what he did. Um, but, yeah, we'll see if he's going to win the MVP. And, I listen, I'm sure he would love to win the MVP, but I don't think he cares as much about the MVP as maybe some others. He wants to win a Super Bowl one. He wants to be great, and he, he would probably think, well, if I don't win it this year, I'll be back next year to try to do it. But um, he's certainly a unique quarterback who deserves to be in the conversation at minimum. Right now, I think he should win it. Do you know what the biggest drawback is going to be to uh, Jalen Hurts winning the MVP? That would be the Chiefs' remaining schedule. They got Denver this week, who stinks. Houston the week after, who stinks. Seattle, all right. Yeah, he and Geno could go back and forth. He could put up big numbers. Seattle's defense isn't great, but they're okay offensively. Denver again, who stinks. And then the Raiders, who are playing better, but by then will be eliminated from making the playoffs. So, yeah, that, that smells like about 25 touchdowns for uh, – <laughs> for Mahomes over the last five yeah. weeks of the season, unfortunately. Yeah. I give it yeah. a urge, too. All three of us are in agreement. I said the same thing. He's the MVP right now. Yeah, I kind of like the Chiefs' schedule down the stretch there for yeah. big Patrick if, if Mahomes throws for 50 touchdowns, I mean, you know, it's going to be hard. Yeah, to it's going to be tough. Yeah, but it's he's still 20 away. And maybe he'll be sitting in the fourth quarter of a lot of those games. He'll throw his three touchdowns and they'll park him on the bench because they're up go. by 25. Right. So maybe good, he won't good, play it. Good thoughts, Ed Kratz. Always good thoughts with Ed Kratz whenever he jumps in with us here on Birds 365. Uh, try and keep the coughing to a minimum at the game. McMullen's worried about it. Groats is worried about it. Are you a coughing fiend? 
McMullen's been coughing more than uh, you. I've been late, coughing right? for 16 weeks now. I believe. Yeah, McMullen's coughing up a storm over there. You know, I'm I'm clear. You know, keep I, keep your distance. Oh, uh, you were coughing, Ed. I the cough was my first indication that oh, Ed's going down. Ed's well, that was two weeks ago. Week. Ed was yeah, that was two weeks. I was yeah. down pretty heavy yeah. from the flu you gave me. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Ed, I'm back. I'm back, Ed, baby. My clear lungs. Keep, I'm ready to go. Keep the mask on this week, uh, buddy. Okay. We need you safe and we need you healthy and we need need, need you again next week here on Birds 365. All right, since we got you, what McMullen and I are giving our score today. You want to give yours today? Or you want to uh, hold off till tomorrow and tell Johnny Mac what kind of a lopsided eagle victory you're predicting? Whew. Um, I, well, I think, gosh, I think the Eagles will win the game. Um, I think they're going to win like 28 to, to 14. Uh, I just don't like this Giants offense even a little bit. I just don't yeah. think they're that good. And the Eagles, I think, will find a way to score points. So I don't know what the line is. I think it's a close line, actually. I think yeah, it's like no, uh, six, six and, and a half. Seven. Six so and a half. If you, yeah. if you got 28-14, you got a comfortable cover. Yeah, I think right. it'll be a, a pretty comfortable game. I mean, Hertz has to go up there and prove he can win up there. I mean, last year is still – it's got to be in his mind. He won't admit it. But yeah, it's he didn't in a lot of it, Eagles fans' heads. That was – yeah. That was that – and, and that's where he got hurt, too. Yeah, and the, right. And the Giants light, try to do the same turf. Yeah. yeah, it's a bad turf. It's a hitting yeah. defense, uh, you know. Uh, but I still think the Eagles win comfortably. Yeah, Eagles went up there twice last year, and Jalen didn't play well in either game. One, he didn't mm. play well. The other one, he didn't play. That was the right. Gardner Minshew Gardner game. Minshew so game. Yeah. Needs to have a good MetLife game. We'll see if he gets it. Any good stuff. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Read him at SI uh, during the week, along with John McMullen, Ed Kratz. Here with us on Birds 365. All right. Time out coming. Got a couple more things to run past Johnny Mac. And then we will do a deep dive on the opposition this week. Pat Leonard, who is the uh, Giants beat reporter for the New York Daily News. We had him on the show before the year started for a Giants preview. He was very good with us then. We expect him to be the same. Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News up in about eh, 15 minutes or so here on Birds 365. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Jim Gardner is an icon. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor, a pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted, revered. Appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate, honest, and fair. He is extremely dedicated, motivated, and always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader, and we're lucky to have him. Go passionately. 
Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Johnny McDonald and John McMullen are your Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. Uh, the countdown is on for the next Eagle Showdown. That would be the first one this year against the New York Giants. And pop up on the schedule to week 14. And they play the Giants twice in the last four weeks of the season. Will the last game even matter? We know this one does for sure to both teams. Eagles want to continue to win and cement the best overall record in the NFL. Giants are in the playoffs as of right now. It's been five years since the Giants are in the playoffs, and they know they have to continue to win, or they could get squeezed out. Their six-and-one start can go right by the wayside if uh, they can't finish the season up strong. Back-to-back divisional games, Eagles this week, Commanders next week. I've been a non-Daniel Jones fan since the day he was drafted, John. I thought the Giants well overdrafted him, understood that they needed a quarterback. Uh, it doesn't mean you force-feed the pick. He's played better this year than he has in previous seasons, at least for me. His rookie year, he, he, he would have the unbelievable up and downs. He'd have a really good game, and then he'd be really bad the next week. But Giant fans clung to those very good games. Um, he's just never done anything for me as far as a franchise quarterback goes. He's not terrible, but he's just not good enough to be a team. If you've got Super Bowl aspirations, he's not the quarterback that's going to get you there. And the Giants chose not to pick up his uh, option before the year started. How how would you evaluate the year that Daniel Jones has had? Has he cemented himself as the Giants quarterback of the future? Are they going to play it year by year? How do you think they go forward with Daniel Jones? Boy, it's tough because, you know, he has, I think, played uh, as well as he ever has this season. But I agree with you. I don't think ultimately he can reach the level uh, where you want to ultimately go. So it becomes, you know, almost a purgatory type situation where, all right, can I do better than Daniel Jones? Probably not. Uh, But he's not good enough. So I think that's the difficulty the Giants find themselves in. I think you're right as far as the overdrafting. And you and I talk about this a lot. I mean, this is the sixth overall pick. So there's expectations with being the sixth overall pick. 
that you don't have, say, if you're a second-round pick. Um, maybe he would be viewed in a different chamber if he was a second-round pick, but he wasn't. He's the number six overall pick in the draft, so you're expecting this superstar uh, quarterback, and he's not that. Um, you know, can he develop into an Alex Smith type? That's where I look about it. You think about Alex Smith as the number one overall pick. That guy, when he figured it out, he won a lot of games, but he won it, you know, game manager, which is often a, a dirty word, more athletic than people gave him credit for. Um, you know, but everybody was always looking. San Francisco was winning all those games with uh, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and they were saying, yeah, but we have this ceiling with Alex Smith. And the minute he got hurt, they went to Colin Kaepernick. They won. Uh, they made a run to the Super Bowl, and they were. Turns out Jim Harbaugh was right. They were far more explosive. Then he goes elsewhere, and he wins a bunch of games, and he wins a bunch of games. That's sort of my comp for Daniel Jones, that, you know, if, it, if he continues to get better, Maybe he can be an Alex Smith guy who can win a lot of games, but it's probably not going to get you to where you want to go at the end of the day. I think Giant fans love what you just said because if he's the next Alex Smith, he's going to be replaced by either a Colin Kaepernick or a Patrick Mahomes. They'd be okay with either one of those two in New York if yeah. they could well, get you gotta, that guy. You got to find that guy. Man, you got to find that guy. Yeah, but that's, you know, it's really hard to find that guy. It's really hard to find that. But the good news is if, if he develops to that, maybe you get to the point where you win a lot of games while well, you can look for it. You can look for the quarterback, look for the quarterback, look for the quarterback. Where you get in trouble, as you mentioned, when you say, I need a quarterback and I'm going to take a quarterback no matter what. If you don't like the player, don't take the stinking player. Um, and just go about winning games in a different way. Uh, which is why I bring up Alex Smith. And, oh, by the way, to help make our point, um, both John and I agree that he's playing maybe better than he's ever played before. He is the 17th-ranked quarterback in the National Football League if you use passer rating, which, again, with passer rating, not the perfect way to judge a quarterback, but the best way to judge a quarterback. He's 17th. That's what he is. He's a middle-of-the-road quarterback in the National Football League. Previously, he'd been down in the 20s, so he's improved, but he's still in the second half of the quarterback rankings in the National Football League, and that doesn't get you where you ultimately want to get to as a uh, Super Bowl. Do you think the reason that he's slightly improved is Brian Dayball, that he's got the best coach that he's ever had since he's been there with the Giants, which, oh, by the way, this is the third coach he's played four in five years. Um, do you think Dable is the guy that he's ticked up a little bit this year, the reason why? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that that's helped. And Mike Kapka as well, um, who's doing a good job there from all indications as the offensive coordinator um, and the play caller. Um yeah, I mean, coaching's a big part of it. We, we, we saw it here with Jalen Hurts. You, you know, talent is always number one, but it helps when you're in the situation. Maybe, you know, Andy Reid is the best example of this and, and the fact that if you get with Andy Reid, there's a good chance you're going to reach your ceiling as a, as a quarterback. And there are certain teams that can't develop quarterbacks, can't utilize quarterbacks correctly. I'm worried about Justin Fields in Chicago. I haven't seen any evidence that 
they can figure anything out there except, hey, go run the football and bail us out. You know, that's not what I want around my quarterback. Um, yeah, Daniel Jones now has a much better ecosystem around him, and that's, you know, a big reason why he's having his his best year in, in my estimation. And I would think most people's estimation. And remember, Jody, they don't have receivers around no. them. So there's more room for improvement as they generate better receivers. But this entire time, though, they got to be they got to be understanding ultimately, and I think they do understand, and that's the reason they didn't give them the fifth year option. We got to get better at quarterback as well. But if you can't, and you and you build up better around them. I think he can win games with Daniel Jones and, and, and Brian Dayball and Mike Kapka. Of course, he might not even have Mike Kapka after this season. That's how quick something like that ha- can happen. He's going to get some head coaching interviews, at least. He's um, already been in the mix in the past. And I would give the Giants uh, – I'm not fearful of the Giants this week, but next year could be a year that they make a little bit of a jump because – they took some salary cap hits this year, one of which was letting James Bradbury walk. Thank you very much, Eagles say, uh, for them doing that. Um, the general manager will have a little bit more flexibility to be able to add. They, they knew that they had to go a little bit uh, more on the cheap. Howie Roseman goes out and gets A.J. Brown. The Giants had three wide receivers named Pete, none of which that I know. So, uh, yeah, the GM didn't have as much flexibility to upgrade the weapons around Daniel Jones this year. He'll have more flexibility to do so next year. Yeah, um, and that was part of the reboot, and that's part of the reason why before the season I said, well, to me, there's two clear teams that are just, you know, doing that, hitting control all to delete and saying we're not ready, and it was Chicago and the Giants, and I think it's really evident in Chicago, but Brian Dayball's been so good as a head coach and uh, this team seven, four and one. And yeah, I don't, I don't know of anybody who thought the giants were going to be in the conversation uh, this late in the season. So, and, and Nick Sirianni talked about it again, his um, respect and, and admiration for Brian Dayball. So, you know, I, I think the giants after years of churning their wheels with Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer, and Steve Spagnolo and uh, Joe Judge, I think they finally got it right at, at head coach. You're not afraid of Richie James stepping up and beating up on the Eagles cornerbacks this week. Huh? I am not. Nor did that former Eagle Marcus Johnson. Not afraid of that either. Um, yeah, their best receiver is probably Darius Slate. Not probably right now. Wondell Robinson was doing some nice things as a rookie, but He's injured now, so they don't have him. Kenny Galladay's been a disaster as one of those Gettleman signings. Um, yeah, they don't have and and remember, you're you're not only having perhaps the worst wide receiver core in the NFL, uh, you're going against perhaps the best cornerback uh, duo in the NFL. That's not a matchup I'd like for the Giants. That's why it is imperative that the Eagles get the ball first 
If you win the coin flip, take that ball, Coach Nick. Oh, that, put, that ain't Put happening. the analytics Forget aside. Forget march about it. March it right down the field and get the Giants into their passing. You got to hope they you... lose. You got to hope they lose because that's the only way they're getting the ball yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. There are two ways that you can get the ball first. One is the Giants give it to you. Number two is you take it. <laughs> Think about it, Coach Nick. All right, coming up next, we're going to get Pat Leonard up. He covers the Giants day in, day out base and does an outstanding job for the Daily News up in New York. He'll do so for us here on Birds 365 next. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Jim Gardner is an icon. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor, a pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted, revered, appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate, honest, and fair. He is extremely dedicated, motivated, and always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader, and we're lucky to have him. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh. And go birds. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Get your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald. We know it's coming up on Sunday, a trip up the turnpike. 
to MetLife Stadium to take on the Giants here to give us big blues insight as a guy who comes from day in and day out for the Daily News and also does his giant podcast, Talking Ball, with Pat Leonard, which you can get where you get your best podcasts. Pat Leonard joins us here on Birds 365. PL, first of all, hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. We haven't talked to you since before the season started. How's your year gone? <laughs> Same to you, Jody and John. Yeah, no, it's it's gone unexpectedly, I think is what I would say. I thought the Giants would be more like the team I've seen the last month rather than a team that started winning games against teams like the Packers in London, the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson going for two to win it at the end against the Tennessee Titans on the road in week one, Jody. I mean, Giants football has not been relevant past Thanksgiving. So you asked me how my Thanksgiving was. It was good because I watched a relevant Giants game that day in Dallas. And this game against the Eagles, while they're deep uh, underdogs, seven-point underdogs, I think, at the moment against the Eagles, hey, at least it matters. So in New York, we'll take it. Yeah, um, you're right. That 6-1 and one start, I think, maybe was the most surprising um story in the league at that point pat because i thought this team was one of the clear i looked at them in chicago as saying by their actions we're rebooting we got to rebuild we got to go in a different direction and they start six and one but now they they've won once uh since october 30th is that just sort of a regression to the mean um better competition um people figuring out uh, sort of the smoke and mirrors. Brian Dayball's doing a great job. What? Why do you think the, the best divergence from that six and one start to where we are? I think you hit on some of it there. I, you know, the injuries, first of all, they're one of the most injured teams in the league and they pretty much are every season. So that's caught up to them. They were overcoming some injuries earlier in the year and some of their key players like Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley primarily haven't missed games. So that's part of the reason they were winning and able to sustain it. But it's caught up to them a little bit, especially on defense. They were winning games early, even though their running game was doing very well, averaging over 170 yards per game early. And that was a huge part of it. Wink Martindale's defense also was one of the best in the league, both on third down and in red zone for the first seven or eight weeks of the season. And so they were dictating a little bit how some of these games were going. And credit to Daniel Jones, really. I mean, he's done what they've asked him to do, whether the game plan's been conservative or whether they let him open it up like the second half against Green Bay. He's done what he needed. A little bit with Jones has developed recently, though. He has protected the ball better, guys, than ever before. He was averaging over one turnover per game in all three of his first NFL seasons. This year, he's only averaging 0.5 turnovers per game. So that's a huge improvement. An issue going into this Eagles game, though, is he has turned the ball over three times in the last four games, two interceptions against the Lions and a lost fumble against Washington. So because the Giants are this team that can only win one tight, low-scoring way, that ends up shining a bright light if Daniel Jones makes those mistakes. But, you know, it's not all on him. Uh, the running game has gone from over 170 per game to about 113, 115 per game. And Saquon Barkley hasn't been the breakout star recently that he was early season either. All right. Let me uh, follow up on a point that you made about Giants being injured. Fact of facts. They've had a bunch of guys miss games. You say what you want about it, but they have been handicapped by injuries. A lot of people question the turf at MetLife Stadium. 
I get it. You got two teams playing there. Uh, somebody's playing there every single week. It's either the Jets or the Giants, and it's not natural graph. It's turf, and their investigation around the league, and the players making noise about we can't have turf fields. It's got to be grass and the like. How big a deal is it? Is it something that is legitimately adding to a team like the Giants being as injured as much as they are, or is it coincidental in your mind? I think it does contribute, but the Jets are one of the healthier teams in the league this year, and they play in the same stadium. And so I would say it is an issue. And right at this point, Jody, the interesting thing about that topic is whether it's true or not, every player in the league now hates playing on this turf. Yeah. And yeah. they all believe it is a huge issue. And so that's why I talked to John Mara about it. I mean, they, they already came out and said they're going to change it. And Mara said he's going to listen to players like – Julian Love, their player representative, and others, because all the players want grass. The Giants said they're going to go to some new turf. The players want grass. So I don't know if they're going to put grass into the stadium for a variety of reasons, namely business reasons, so they can host other events throughout the rest of the year. Uh, but the players will have a voice in that. But to answer your question, Jody, the training staff and the way the Giants manage these players' bodies is something also that John Mara acknowledged to me that he's continually looking at and evaluating because the fact of the matter is they have been the most injured team in the league or one of them now across their last five or four coaches. So the coaching staffs, the, the strength and conditioning coach and all the support staff has changed, but the consistent thing has been, and even the turf has changed actually, mm -hmm. because the turf that's in the stadium now, they put new <clears throat> turf down prior to 2020. So there's a deeper uh, seated and deeper rooted issue here and the Giants are trying to get to the bottom of it. And so I would expect certain changes to be made to address that after this season. We'll see what they are. Yeah, I was kind of amazed how inundated I was this week, Pat, with uh, sort of pitches about uh, the turf at MetLife Stadium. And you're right. I mean, once the players get it in their head that they don't want to play there, it becomes a bigger issue. And I think that's where we are. But it's interesting you, you bring up the Jets have been relatively healthy. So um, the fact that it's, it's going over multiple regimes and they've changed, what does Brian Dayball say about that as far as the health aspect of it? Oh, he doesn't say much. That's a sensitive topic around here. Uh, you know, how they take care of players' bodies, injuries, the training staff. Um, my answer to that would be this. When Joe Judge was the coach prior to Brian Dayball, they were, you know, running penalty laps at times. They were working very hard in the offseason, doing a lot of training that a lot of teams in the league aren't doing and are practicing in flip-flops. And the Giants were actually pretty healthy in 2020. Last year, obviously, that changed. And Judge and his staff on their way out, I think, took a lot of the blame for, you know, according to their critics, you know, running the team into the ground. But what Brian Dable and Joe Shane and the Giants training staff and the Giants did off of that was they reacted by taking workloads off players' bodies, you know, giving them rest days and going a lot lighter in their normal practices, both in the length and, the, uh, and how grueling they were compared to what Judge had done. Now, the result, John, has been that the team has been just as if not more injured. So what Brian Dable and Joe Shane have said is not much other than we continue to confer with our sports science staff, with our training staff, but really it's an issue that 
in my opinion, the organization has blamed others for a problem that is still ongoing, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. uh, Dable is not going to come out and blame somebody or finger point because really he is a part of the team that has organized this year's strategy that has proved to fail so far on the injury front. All right, Pat, I want to ask you about a specific guy, and that is uh, your tight end, Bellinger. Mm. Got off to a nice start this year, got hurt, missed over a month, yeah. came back last week, caught all five balls that came his way, but only amassed 24 yards on five catches. That's not a whole hell of a lot per catch. Uh, how key is he this week to the Giants' uh, offense scheme coming in against the Eagles? I expect them to try and run a little bit deeper routes than five yards per catch. Uh, how big is his readdition to this Giant team? Well, it's important because they feel like he is well-rounded uh, and probably their most well-rounded tight end in being able to both block and catch balls out in space. He is not um, a speedy guy who can stretch the field much, though, Jody. And also, the Giants' biggest issue in their passing game, and you hit, you're hit, you seeing it looking at the stats and mentioning that, they can't protect Daniel Jones right now well enough to drive the ball downfield often. They've hit Darius Slayton, I would say. on I, They're basically averaging one deep throw to Darius Slayton a game, maybe the last five. So Jones and Slayton have connected there, and that's worked. But up the middle, over the seam, you would see Bellinger do more of like a crosser catch and run element and then try to get up the sideline. Um, But he is not a fast, lightning quick. He's certainly not. I know he's not playing in this game, but he's certainly not a Dallas Goddard where you're worried just as much about him catching a ball 25 yards downfield as you are A.J. Brown. Yeah. um, I want to talk about the guy throwing the football. Before you came on, uh, Pat, we were Jody and I were discussing Daniel Jones, um, and, and I want to get your thoughts from week one to where we are now, uh, because obviously the Giants didn't pick up the fifth-year option. It seemed like they were ready to turn the page, but they couldn't do anything. Now he's had his best season, and you know, I've made the Alex Smith comps in that you know when you're a top ten pick and Alex was number one overall, Daniel was number six. You got high expectations. But, you know, when Alex Smith kind of figured it out, he started winning games, maybe not in the sexiest of ways. It ha- has the Giants' philosophy, thought process on Daniel Jones changed, or do they want to get better long-term at the quarterback position? Both. I think he has certainly proved to them, and to me and to everybody else, I agree with you, I think he's proven he's a good quarterback. Like before this year, I think a lot of people thought, you know, you could compare him to most quarterbacks around the league and say, well, maybe I'd rather have the other guy. I don't think that's it's that way anymore. I think you'd rather have him right now, frankly, than half the quarterbacks we've seen play this season in the league. He can he can run, which is, as you guys know, in Philadelphia, not only is valuable to to a team like the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, who is doing it better than anybody. But in the modern NFL, where defenses have gotten smaller to address all these pass-heavy offenses, and now the teams like the Eagles, the Giants, the Ravens, the Bears are taking advantage of these multiple dual-threat quarterbacks. Jones, and really with Mike Kafka, the OC, and uh, Brian Dable uh, as head coach, they've been able to to unlock what Jones can do as a runner to complement Barkley in the run game 
and then to allow him to drop back, maybe sometimes taking a little bit pressure off of his dropbacks in the pocket because teams know that he can scamper. That said, um, the turnovers can't happen. Philadelphia obviously leads the league in takeaways and turnover margin, and that's something that they've consistently harped on with Jones, and he's done a great job with. I think it's a bit unfair, like I said earlier, that I think his turnovers are magnified because the Giants are so um, unable to score to score 30 points. They can't they can't win high scoring games. And so every turnover he commits is magnified for the future. John, I think that Jones has earned the right to be franchise tagged for next year. Now, they have a choice to make of whether to franchise Saquon Barkley and then what to do a quarterback or franchise tag Daniel Jones and maybe sign Saquon. I think Jones has earned the right maybe to get a transition tag for next year because the Giants have so far won their way out of a top five pick, right? Yeah. Top yeah. seven pick, whatever. <clears throat> Not to mention that this quarterback class, frankly, doesn't look as strong, I think, to me and to a lot of people around the league as it did five months ago. So I think that Jones right now, as I sit here this moment, is the Giants quarterback next year. I don't know about beyond that, but I think that I think that right now he has earned the right. That said, if they continue to slide, they've only won one of their last five games. And yeah. if you finish the season, you know, uh, what, in your final eight with two wins, let's say, two, five, and one, then that would probably change. Understood. All right, Pat, uh, Jay, uh, Eagle fans would like to say thank you very much before you even answer the question, but please answer this one. Why did Giants cut James Bradbury? <laughs> I think he's going to tell you why they shouldn't have on Sunday. I think that's my answer to that. Um <laughs> You know, that's an interesting that's an interesting question. I'm glad you asked me because at the time it was presented as just a salary cap decision. And certainly that was a part of it. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like it wasn't a part of it. It absolutely was. And it was the reason that they were looking so closely at a player like him in the first place. That said, this defensive staff looked at how he thrives and where he thrives as a cover corner. And they decided that schematically they preferred other players. So both of those things happen. And Bradbury knows that that second thing happened. Let, let's be, let me, let me tell you, like, that's, that's a very true thing. Whether or not people in New York want to just say it was a salary cap casualty, this was also a football decision. Mm -hmm. So James Bradbury knows that, you know, essentially the Wink Martindale likes to play more press man on the outside. Yeah. They felt like Bradbury thrives more, in those zones, matchup zones, drop concepts. And even if that's true that he's better at that than the press man, the Giants and Pat Graham, especially in James Bradbury's first year when he was healthy, they pressed, they pressed with him and he was great. You know, they didn't press all the time, but he was great. So, and the Giants only have four interceptions this whole year, um, all season. They've, they've struggled at taking the ball away. And as you have seen, James Bradbury does not struggle at taking the ball away when the ball is in his direction. Uh, Darius Slayton, the Giants receiver, said to us this week that Slay and Bradbury is the best cover corner tandem they have faced all year. And um, that's why the Giants are kind of in a pickle here because their running game has slowed down. And they've actually, I forgot to mention this in the Daniel Jones answer, D Brian Dable is starting to coach Daniel Jones more conservative, conservatively than ever. So in New York, the conversation is you got to let Daniel Jones, who's having a good season, 
rip the ball, make some throws and prove he's the guy. But you have James Bradbury and Darius Slay sitting there. Yeah, this is not the weak board. This is not the weak board. You know, you bring up an interesting point, though, that I think is a very good one, Pat. You know, Wick Martindale is, you know, the guy. You know, he's coming from the buses. They park the buses. Here comes Wink with the blitz. Bradbury's this great, savvy, football IQ zone corner. The Eagles play quarters, cover two, cover six, cover eight, all those matchup zones. He is a better fit for the Eagles scheme than the Giants scheme. Um, and, and I think that's a very astute point that maybe fans don't realize. I mean, not everybody fits in every scheme as well. And I think James w- is, is better in Philadelphia than he would be in New York. You think that's fair? Uh, no, I can, I completely agree with that. I think he ends up in a better situation uh, for himself. My criticism of the giants getting rid of him in that context though, even though, like you said, it makes sense schematically and X's and O's wise, the giants aren't like the Eagles where they have really good or great players all over their roster. <laughs> so yeah. when, when you, you get a good at- player, you should probably keep them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you about one of those good players the Giants have, and he's kind of made a couple plays, flashed a little bit the last couple of weeks, and that's Thibodeau, who they took high in the first round this past year. Um, before the season started, question, how are they going to use him? Where is he going to fit? How is he going to play in the Wink-Martindale system? We've seen growth uh, as, as the second half of the year. I know he had some injury issues before the year started. How much has he improved over the course of the year? How much is he one of the main staples of the giant team going forward? He's improved. And also he needs to continue to improve to get them where they need to go, which is really only to win two, maybe three more games to get into the playoffs. He got hurt. If you remember in the, in the preseason, he hurt his knee sprained his MCL. And I, from my vantage point, from talking to people around him, like, I think the healthier he's gotten, the better he's gotten. That hasn't been a coincidence. He has not made a consistent impact. So in the Washington game last week, you didn't hear his name much. You didn't hear his see his number much. You didn't see him affecting many plays. But at the end of games, he finds his way to the quarterback, it seems, and increasingly has to make a play. So he won them the Baltimore game with a sack fumble on Lamar Jackson earlier in the year. Um, he got to Dak Prescott early in the third quarter in Dallas in Thanksgiving, which turns into a blowout, but he misses the sack, but he gets there. And if he wraps up Dak, that could have changed that whole game and the whole landscape of the NFC East. He sacks Taylor Heineke in the overtime period near the goal line of Washington um, on third down or on second down, I believe, and makes a play that ends up, obviously, Brian Dable and the Giants only get a tie out of it but Thibodeau made the play of the game in overtime on defense. Now that said he was free running to Taylor Heineke from behind him. Instead of ripping the ball out, he just gave him a huge shot in the back and knocked the quarterback over. So this is where the, being the rookie comes in. It's like, Oh man, you know, you got there, go get the ball and win us the game. So those are the little things he's still tweaking, but I would just say this. He, he loves the moment. And the most interesting thing about him is that while he hasn't had the rookie year of like Aiden Hutchinson, who was drafted ahead of him in Detroit, he salivates when the spotlight is on him and the moment is brightest. 
And you can tell that he wants to make the big play that's going to lead the top 10. <laughs> and we've seen him do it about four or five times now this year in different spots, even in Jacksonville. And so that's what the Eagles have to be wary of, especially if this game is close down the stretch. Um, the Giants had two top 10 picks and the other one has had a slower start. I think it would be fair to say than Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, Evan Neal, the offensive line has been an issue with the Giants for years, Pat. Other than, it seems like Andrew Thomas has you know, finally caught on. He's playing at a really high level. Um, how, how, how about the rest of the offensive line? How, how, how bad has it been? They run the football. They ran the football for um, obviously early in the season with Saquon Barkley, but it seems individually the offensive line is still having uh, a lot of issues. Yeah, John, they are. They're actually coming off arguably their worst game on the interior all season against Washington, which obviously has a formidable front, especially in the middle with John Allen and yeah. Deron Payne. You're right. Thomas is playing great. Left guard has been a revolving door due to injury. They really miss. I, I honestly can't believe I'm saying it based on the fact that he was just a rotational backup prior to this, but Ben Bredesen, the Michigan product, um, a guy they got in a trade a couple years ago from the Baltimore Ravens. He was their left guard this year and really was playing well. Sprained his PCL in his knee. He's been out. It's possible he comes back for this Eagles game, but after talking to him yesterday, I, I got the feeling it's more likely he's coming back in, against Washington for the game that probably will decide a playoff spot. But they need him there because Nick Gates was at left guard before against Washington, really struggled. Uh, Josh Azudu, the rookie there, has struggled. Jack Anderson, whatever. Center, John Feliciano is back. Gates had played there before. That's been a rotation. Feliciano is a tough, hard-nosed football guy. Um, he's not the reason that the line is, has been bad recently, but he hasn't been elite either. Their right guard, Mark Lewinsky, they signed to big money in free agency. His back's been locking up on him lately. Uh, he had a rough game, especially against Washington. Though the right side of the line, including Evan Neal, did block up very well on Saquon Barkley's touchdown run against the commander's defense. Evan Neal actually, to me, has not had as bad of a season as I think the perception is because I think a lot of people saw that Dallas game in week three and said, whoa. <laughs> right? yeah. and, That's everybody with Micah, though. You know, Micah Parsons. Yeah. And that Dallas pass rush. Is, yeah, Demarcus Lawrence, pa Parsons. Yeah. And um, – well, he, he got hurt, so he just came back into the lineup. He hurt his knee. Again, injuries, a theme with the Giants this year. But in pass protection, Evan Neal's been really good. And in run, he's been really good outside of that Dallas game and a couple, a couple rushes here and there you could throw onto the tape. And in, run, in a run game, he's been fine. You know, I think that the interior of the Giants' offensive line is what is causing them the most problems. And I'm not looking at Evan Neal and saying – I'm really worried about this kid. One untold story that the Giants have been very delicate about answering questions about is not to get too deep in the weeds, but early in the season, their offensive line coach, Bobby Johnson, was coaching these guys a lot to um, attack and do these fire sets where they try to get up on the pass rusher early. And the yeah. reason is because they're running a lot of RPOs and they want every play and blocking scheme to look the same. But that's not what Evan Neal does well. What he does well is drops and sets. And so the Giants coaching staff had to figure out, we should stop asking this guy to do things that he doesn't do well. We drafted him to do what he does best, 
And so they have stopped asking him to do as much of those things, and therefore his play has improved. Very good. All right, uh, Pat, you probably didn't hear this, but hour number one, I chided my partner uh, and his partner at Sports Illustrated, Ed Kratz, for not being down at the Novacare Complex on the lookout for Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> since Mike Florio had him potentially signing with the Eagles yesterday. The Giants have not been near as undercover. They've had meetings with Odell. They've talked to Odell about potentially coming back. The Cowboys kind of let it leak out that, yeah, you know, this guy wouldn't be cleared to play if we would put his name on a contract. We kind of need him now. The Giants kind of need him now, too, with their wide receiver room being what it is. Is Odell going back to New York? It's possible. It's possible. And just so you know, you know, I hope you're proud of me. Nick Sirianni's fir- the first question to him during his New York media session this week on, on a conference call. I asked him flat out, you interested in OBJ? So <laughs> I, I wasn't going to let that. I wasn't going to let that. Now, play. how did Nick answer? Cause he, he didn't, he didn't give us any, he had any interest in bringing OB, OBJ. Yeah. In. He didn't, he didn't say heck no, but he said, he went on a list of how much he loved all their receivers yeah, and said, we exactly. love what we have here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I appreciated that. But um, on the Giants end, I mean, they had this big dinner with him. John Mara ownership was in attendance. Mara has been a huge part of, uh, you know, talking to Odell about this. There's the famous, um, you know, scene and Odell, when Odell got traded to Cleveland by Dave Gettleman years ago, John Mara told us that his grandchildren were essentially like, you know, bawling their eyes out with their Beckham jerseys on. Like, why did you, why'd you trade our favorite player? And so there's a lot to the history, the emotions, the off field, as well as the on field. You're right. The giants need them. Um, I talked to Julian love the other day, their captain and safety. He was saying that we are, the word he used is light in the receiver room. It's a nice way of saying it. The interesting thing though, obviously, as you said, it's come out of Dallas and really the feeling we've gotten for all these visits is that Odell may be ready to play soon, but he's not ready to play yet. And so for the Giants, are you paying him money into 2023 for the possibility and the hope that he can join you for the playoffs? You know, and if Odell is ready for the playoffs, does he wait to sign until week 18 or right after the final regular season games? Does he wait that long? But then is he ready to play in your first game if uh, he only gets there on a Tuesday and you're playing on a Sunday? I think the most likely scenario if he becomes a Giant is that he signs with them in March when, when free agency hits. Because the question around Odell right now is, well, if you're not healthy, what incentive is there to really just play three <laughs> games this winter? Um, my personal opinion, not to go too long on this, but my personal opinion is he should call the Chiefs. If he really wants to play this p- playoffs, I'm, I'm calling Andy Reid. And I'm saying, I know you can give me 15 plays in the AFC championship game and I can score a touchdown and have four catches for 60 yards. That's what I'm doing. If I'm Odell. Yeah. I mean, in New York, uh, it's, uh, you know, it makes sense to me because OBJ was so great for the giants earlier in his career. Um, he hasn't been Odell Beckham jr. Since arguably he left the giants. I mean, he had the one decent season with Cleveland then kind of fell off there, uh, was a contributor uh, to the Rams. But let's be honest, that was Cooper Cup's show. It seems like, though, when you say those initials, Pat, OBJ, people think of OBJ as 
rookies, second season, third season, New York, and basically Justin Jefferson's breaking all his young receiver records now. He was spectacular. He's not that guy now, is he? There is there a belief in the Giants that he, when he is healthy, he's going to be that guy? No, not you're you're right that the reality is he's not what he used to be, but I think the 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 important stat for why teams are recruiting him hard now is he played 12 games with the Rams last year after he moved, went over there from Cleveland, right? Yeah. He scored seven touchdowns yeah, in those 12 true. games. Yeah. And he caught the first touchdown of the Super Bowl and looked like he was ready for a 200-yard game in that game until he got hurt, frankly. Uh, you know, Eli Apple. So <laughs> <laughs> he is not Odell Beckham Jr. one-handed catch for the Giants back in the day, blowing every record out of the water. But these teams do look at what the Rams did with him last year and say lightning in a bottle still possible with this guy. So that that's the that's the part about, yeah, he's not what he was, but look what he did pretty recently. Um, the interesting thing, John, is like it sounds like Odell wants to play these play. Like, let's say he joined a team and he was only able to play two playoff games in the Super Bowl. It sounds like he really does still want to do that rather than just wait till March, which, which is interesting to me um, because I'm not sure if he hadn't won a ring yet, I would think, Oh yeah, he wants to win his super bowl. He hasn't won a super yeah. bowl, but he just won. So yeah. um, I'm a bit confused by that insistence. Um, and then the final thing I would say is, man, it would look really weird to do this whole free agency tour and then not sign. Yeah. Um, so well, guys, guys get addicted to that ring shopping, Pat. I mean, and Dominic and Sue, same thing here. It's like, why are you doing it? You got one, um, but, you know, and they want another one. They need one free chance. Uh -huh. It gets addicting when you get that ring. That, that's, that yeah, would that's be my only, my only explanation for it. That I, I can think of. Pat, assuming uh, Odell Beckham Jr. does not sign with the Giants today and gets ready to play by Sunday, <laughs> uh, Giant fans, Pat Leonard, Giant players and coaching staff, have to come up with something that they can tap into to beat a more talented, better record Philadelphia Eagle team than a giant team. What's their best shot? If there's something either they can do or take advantage of the Eagles not being able to do, what's the Giants' best shot at winning this game this week? It's running Saquon Barkley outside and not right into Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis and Ndamukong Sue and Linville Joseph and company. You could go on and on. Jeez, yeah. these Eagles lines. Yeah. So it's running Saquon Barkley outside. It is probably running a ton of read options where you're either handing it to Barkley outside or when the Eagles finally commit to that or do commit to that, Jones keeps it and runs. And that's really the one-two punch that the Giants have had effectiveness with keeping drives alive. As far as the passing game goes, guys, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, Darius Slayton has been their top option. They're they're very thin there. You you asked the right question, Jody, about Bellinger in the sense that you understand and you see that if you can attack the Eagles over the middle in the passing game, you could do some damage. I'm just not sure Bellinger can do the the level of damage over the middle that you are talking about that is required to beat the Eagles. The bottom line is they need to play a clean game, no turnovers. So the Giants need to not turn the ball over. Saquon needs to turn back the clock to one of his 
you know, 180, 170 yard rushing games for earlier in the year. And the Giants defense, they are not going to stop the Eagles. What they need to do is bend but not break. And that's been tough for them with Adoree Jackson, their top corner out. Xavier McKinney, their starting free safety out. Um, and a lot of these injuries. But they're just going to have to come up with these. You know, one thing Wink Martindale does is he will scheme. I mentioned Thibodeau earlier about how he gets yeah. to the quarterback in key moments. Wink Martindale saves the play calls and the schemes for those moments. So that when he sacked Taylor Heineke in overtime, it was because they sent a blitzer right into the tackle on the left side of Washington's line and their left tackle had to make a quick decision on who to get. He tried to touch the blitzer inside and then go out to Thibodeau and it was too late. So the Eagles just need to make sure they don't fall victim to any of those schemes. And um, you know, this is all why the Eagles are favored by seven on the road. Yeah. You can read them every single day in the daily news, be it in paper. For those of you in North Jersey who are Eagle fans who grab the daily news or online at newyorkdailynews.com. And you should check out his podcast, Talk, Talk and Ball with Pat Leonard. He did some good talking with us today. We appreciate you talking ball, Pat Leonard. Thank you much. Beware in the uh, press box on time. John McMullen has been sick for like a month now, and a half. 16 don't, weeks. Don't, don't, let him call, don't let him get call rid of the call, buddy. Pat. Yes, hey, don't man. ask the Giants medical staff for any help, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jody and John, thank you so much. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate Our it. pleasure. Pat Leonard, uh, New York Daily News, here with us on uh, Birds 365. Good dude and gave us some good insight as well. All right, J-Mac and J-Mac coming back. If we run a little late, they owe us a minute. Kerr went late today, yeah. so we'll try and hit the top. Yeah. We'll try and hit the top of the hour and get Saratella started on time, but no promises. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Jim Gardner is an icon. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor, a pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted, revered, appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate, honest, and fair. He is extremely dedicated, motivated, and always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader, and we're lucky to have him. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. 
First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Mac and Mac guys, gonna put a little bow in the show here on Birds 365. J Mac scheduled full practice today. If so, how many guys are gonna be designated with rests? Tons. Uh, every rest day, same guys. You know the list. Uh, everybody will be on there in a limited fashion. The Brandon Rams, the Kelseys, the Isaac Sayamalos, the Josh Sweats, on and on. Same same list every week. Right. But does Kaiser White make that list this week? Well, Kaiser is limited uh, because he's injured. So he's not going to be resting. He's legitimately injured. So we'll see. He was estimated as limited. So he and Quez Watkins and Sean Bradley are the players with legitimate injuries that you should be keeping an eye on. Every week, no matter what, before it was Wednesday, now it's Thursday. The injury report comes out, it's huge, and fans lose their minds until they read rest, 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 rest. It happens every week. It's not changing, people. So get ready. Be prepared. If anything, the longer the season goes, the yeah. list will grow. It's not going to get shorter. It's going to get longer. But uh, we'll see how many they actually have for rest. Tomorrow, we'll get that much more in-depth on Eagles versus Giants. Yeah, I'm certainly leaning toward the Eagles winning. And I'm more leaning with each passing day on them winning easily against New York. But uh, we'll formulate it and make our picks yeah. here tomorrow. We know that we already have who the hell to – oh, uh, Jeff Mosher is going to join us tomorrow. We'll uh, scout out his second guest for you. Johnny Mack, safe trip across the bridge today for practice, buddy. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, big, exciting uh, – what do we call Thursday? We don't have a, a real it's practice a Thursday. 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 Yeah. We, uh, we'll find out how many actually do get rest today. We no rest for the weary. John McMullen, Jordan McDonald, back here tomorrow on Bird Street 65 in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.